0: hey what's up welcome back to point blank episode number 52 it's actually our one year mark akeem check that out before we hopped on there so Thank you to everyone that's been rocking with the show. If you have already subscribed to the show, thank you so much. If you haven't, make sure to click that subscribe button. Also hit that like button. It helps the channel grow. You can also follow us on our social media platforms. On Twitter, we're at The Point Blank Pod. And well, actually on Twitter, we're at Point Blank Pod. And on Instagram, we're at The Point Blank Pod. You would think after a year, I would know those right away. Um, You can also follow us on our own personal accounts. And you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. Akeem, it's been a year if you had to look back at this past year for point blank, what comes up right away?
1: Oh, you know, one, obviously consistency, um, because when you think about the full year, 365, there's only been a couple of times where, you know, where we didn't do the show and uh, uh, a week was me saying, you know what your schedule, I'm like Chantel, we need to take some breaks so you can get some rest. But apart from that, I thought we've been pretty consistent throughout the year. And also, man, it, it, it's how quickly time really does fly. You know what I'm saying? And we've covered many different topics. Uh, we've stayed true to ourselves. We stay true to being consistent. And we've done something a little bit different than I think other programs have, haven't have done yet. So that's what it kind of looks to me as I reflect on about it. Um, 365 is... is uh, is something to be celebrated, and I'm not always the best at doing that. But uh, yeah, that's that's what it means to me. What about you? 365. What what does it mean to What does it mean to you at our one year anniversary?
0: 365. You said it right there. It went by extremely fast. I think you covered everything, which is why you're also a co host on this program. (laughs) Uh, um, But yeah, it's been a very quick year. I think we've covered numerous things. We've seen what works. We've seen what hasn't worked. Uh, But most importantly, I think it's been fun just uh, having a platform where it's not controlled by anyone else but us. Uh, I think that's the best part about it, where we can go and do different things and come together and also spread a little bit of hope at the same time, too, while we talk about a whole bunch of sports and, of course, combat sports as well, uh, which we do a lot on this show. But once again, thank you so much for rocking with Point Blank. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. You can also leave a rate and review as well wherever you stream any of your podcasts. But let's get right into it, Akeem, because it is A full week of sports ahead. Things are getting pretty crazy because the NFL season has officially started. We had our first slate of Sunday games, a full slate of games. And before we get into what was the best part about week one to you, we got to get to some bad news for Cowboys fans because Dak Prescott is getting surgery on his throwing hand. I believe it's his thumb where he has a fracture, but he's going to be out 68 weeks. Akeem, what's your thoughts on this? And do the Cowboys still have a chance to make the playoffs or possibly win the division because they were the favorite going into it?
1: Man, one of my best friends, he's a big Cowboys guy. You know, and every year I say, you know, he's always like, Man, you know, it's our year, man. It's going to be this and that. And every year, I'm like, you. At, at some point, you got to really, how much is your heart going to hurt? You know what I'm saying? Like this sets them back a little bit, especially with Dak Prescott, with what he was able to overcome with the ankle and the surgery and recovering from that. And then now this. And they did not look good the other day. They looked really bad. Right. And so when it comes to the rhythm and the system and the timing of, getting each and every single person on the offense that that confidence and that feel going together, this sets them back a little bit. And I, I, I don't know what the season is going to look like for them now. I'm not saying that they aren't going to have some, put together some wins moving forward and make the playoffs and this and that. I'm not saying throw away the season, but I'm just saying, man, that's just bad timing for everything. And to me, it's like, it's just another setback in, 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 in the fans of the Cowboys and their team. I think they're very talented, a lot of weapons. You saw what Micah Parsons did the other day. You know, there's that, there's a stacked team. My thing for me is like, why is it not working? I don't have that answer, Chantel, but I don't know why it's not working. And that's frustrating for me from a from a from a football perspective who just wants to see great quality football and see teams live up to their potential and for me it's just like man again year after year after year the Dallas Cowboys finds himself in a position where they may not fulfill that potential again this year I'm not writing them off but without Dak it makes it a little bit harder what is your reaction to that because you've been heavy high on Dak since we started the show what what is going on in your head and your reaction to what just happened
0: You know, I got to be honest, when Dak first came into the league out of Mississippi State, I actually wasn't a believer that he was going to be like the Dak Prescott and everyone, you know, might hype him up. I think he's a solid quarterback. Do I think it's a wrap for the Dallas Cowboys? I think they're in trouble. Cooper Rush is not going to get it done. They played the best team possibly in the NFC, the favorites to come out of the NFC in the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I thought the defense actually played pretty well. You talked about Parsons. That guy was all over the field. Absolutely ridiculous. The Cowboys have the pieces and they have a CD lamb as a wide receiver. I know they lost to Amari Cooper, but I think CD lamb is a better addition because I actually think Amari Cooper never lived up to his expectations coming out of your alma mater, actually out of Alabama. But most importantly, I think the Cowboys are in trouble. Mm. Because Dak Prescott is not healthy and I feel for Dak because I feel like he deals with so many injuries that are brutal and it cost him, you know, one time it cost him a whole entire season. This is going to cost him eight to six to eight weeks. So that is absolutely major for a team in a division where Washington won uh mm-hmm. on sunday the eagles are not really a sleeper i don't think their defense looks really good jalen hurts like he's coming into his own i think philly's gonna win the division and dallas has to make a decision if they're gonna roll with cooper cup because last time i checked jimmy g was available <laughs> uh Jim, jimmy g is available uh the yeah. niners did sign him to a deal but they could shop him and he is a game manager You fit him into a role where he is better than a Cooper Rush. It just depends on if the Cowboys think they actually have the pieces to go far and win it all. How much do they think they can go far this season? I think that's the big question on what Jerry Jones is going to do. But Jimmy G is available. Trey Lance, we saw the Niners lose, right? So here's, here's the thing, though. Like, there's a lot that goes into it because, like, we don't know where the Niners headspace is after losing to Chicago. Crazy. Right. Week one's wild though. Week one is wild though. Akeem,
1: there's not not 32 teams better than Cam Newton.
0: uh, That, that too, that too. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, So they have some possibilities and it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I I don't think Cooper rush is the answer. And unfortunately he is going to be filling in for Dak under center. I think the Cowboys are in trouble. They do have a good squad. Their defense looked good. Uh, They held the bucks to 19 points. Yeah. This yeah. is an offense that is potent, right? They can go off as well. Tom Brady has a lot of receivers and targets. So I think the Cowboys are in trouble, and I think the Eagles are definitely winning the division now. Give it to Philly. Um, the Giants won, though, too. Like, we, like yo, they the all Giants... won except for the Cowboys. I
1: I mean, right? Did you hear that stat where they're like, oh, the Giants have not won week one in, like, what, four or five years, or something like that they were saying? I was like, yo, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's crazy. Happy for
0: the Giants. Happy for the Giants. And I think Titans fans should be a little bit worried as well. They're going to definitely have a down year after having so much success. But point blank, would love to know if you think it's a wrap for the Dallas Cowboys this season because Dak Prescott is injured and he's going to be out for quite some time. Drop some comments in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on Twitter and IG, and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. Now, there's a big matchup coming up Thursday night football, and right away we're getting the Chiefs and the Chargers, two teams possibly could make deep post runs in the AFC, maybe even the AFC championship appearance from either. Mm. Akeem, when it comes to the Chargers and the Chiefs and the AFC West, who's the best team in the AFC West?
1: This is a big game, Chantel. And I think this will kind of answer that question of who right now. Obviously, everything is still early, but you go back to the Chiefs and what they're able to. do. The Chiefs look like the Chiefs, like they look like they didn't miss a beat, right? They didn't look like they missed Tyreek by any means. Now I'm sure that will come back down the road when you know teams dial in a little bit more. But the Chargers also look like they are finally living up to the potential of we know that we know what they can be. Herbert had a very good game, three TDs, no turnovers, but also defensively, what K- Khalil Mack was able to do, three sacks. Now, what I liked about that game, Chantel, is there's been a lot of games last year uh, where the Chargers were in the game, right? Everything looked good. Fourth quarter, they had the lead and they lost it and they would lose by three points. So They would lose by a touchdown and they would always kind of find a way to come up a little bit short. But this game, at least early, to me, from what I've seen, mannerisms and confidence and belief, it looks like they finally believe that they have the pieces to be a contender and to go how far that they can go. And so I wanted to see that grit and that will to win when the game is close against a good team. So for me, that was what stuck out to me with this Chargers team. Now, this is the test. Going up against a team that you know that can score, that you know you see them almost, you know you're going to see them and hear about them. Can you beat the teams that you know have the potential to be the ones to win it? When you are coming in and you're not the favorite and you know that, okay, Mahomes is here with that offense. Okay, Herbert, squad, you may need to put up 35 points to win this game. Can you do it? Can you win the game, right? And that's what it's going to come down to. And before I say who's the best in the AFC, because on paper, eh, you got to say the Chiefs. History, it follows with the Chiefs. But the Chargers, man, this year looks like they can do a little something. And so if they can come out and beat the Chiefs, It makes things a lot more interesting moving forward as time goes on. But I still think the Chiefs win this game by seven points, by a field goal to seven points. I think it's going to be close. What are your thoughts, Chantel? This is a tough, a tough, a tough division. If you said many times over, what are your thoughts on this game coming up? Who do you have winning? What did you think about both performances this past weekend?
0: Well, the Chiefs, like you said, Pat Mahomes had like five touchdowns. I'm sorry. Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns and they are just stacked on offense and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Did he have two touchdowns? Oh, like yeah. He did That's his thing. To, yeah. J- Juju Smith Schuster didn't even have a touchdown. Like he didn't even get a touchdown in this game. And he is a guy that is supposed to be a replacement for a guy like Tyreek Hill. He's not going to match that speed, but this is a team that offensively, they're just really gifted and they picked up where they left off from last year. And they definitely are the favorite, but actually you talked about history and historically, actually the chargers are better than the chiefs. Like historically, when you think about all the good teams, the chargers had with Phillip rivers and LT, like there was a time where they were that team. In the AFC West, nobody was talking about anyone else except for the Chargers. And, you know, lately, as of late, since Patrick Mahomes has taken over as QB1 and they've gotten rid of the Alex Smith era, it's been all Chiefs because he's been that dude. But who do I think is the best team in the AFC West? I actually think it's the Chargers. That's why I took them to win the Super Bowl this year because you look at all the additions they made to the team. Khalil Mack on one side, Bosa on the other. That is ridiculous. They already have Derwin James, Asante Samuels Jr. They added a JC Jackson, of course, dealing with an injury. But this is a stacked defense. They're going to be one of the best defenses in the league. And right now, we're talking about some of the best defenses, and they're already up there. People are like, man, the Chargers are definitely up there for one of the best defenses in the league. And that's why I think that they are the best team, because defensively, on paper, I think they look better than the Chiefs. And you know, like the first time me and Akeem ever talked a year ago, Uh, We found out that Akeem loves his offense, uh, being a former quarterback. And I love my defense (laughs) and I still believe defense wins championships. And as for Justin Herbert, he looked poised as ever, Mm. right? Not bothered. Although I do think that the Raiders' defense looked terrible. Their O-line was absolute trash. They couldn't block nobody. I wanted to put pads on and get in there and block for Derek Carr. Because that's how bad they are. I would have got eight alive, though.
1: Um, yeah, but it wouldn't it, have been the best one for you, that No, game. no, Not no. I would,
0: would have been laid out in a stretcher. <laughs> Maybe you'd be singing eulogy. <laughs> but it was just bad because... That D-line, that front seven for the Chargers is nasty. And um, when you look at the Chiefs, they're always going to be a favorite. And I think a lot of people have them or the Bills coming out of the AFC. But this Chargers team on paper, the fact that they made all these additions, the fact that Herbert is looking even better than he did last year. I think he's going to have a better year than he did last year. He had like 35 touchdowns. I think the Chargers are a threat, man, and that's why I have them winning the Super Bowl, and I think they are the best team in the AFC West. Of course, short week, we know how it is for Thursday games. I think this one's going to be extremely close. I think it's going to be by a field goal, to be quite honest. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs won, uh, but I think they're going to split the season series either way. It's going to be a split. They're going to win one game. The Chiefs are going to win one game, but Point Blank would love to know, who you think is the best team in the AFC West drop some comments in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on Twitter and IG, and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us before we move on from the gridiron, just real quick, Akeem, what was your best performance? Who do you think had the best performance in week one?
1: Oh man, it, it, it was an interesting, interesting week. Uh, but honestly, I got to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh we talked about it before. The biggest question is, man, what is that team going to look like without Ben Roethlisberger? Trubisky, did he have a great game? No. Did he have a decent game? Yeah, I thought so, right? He, percentage-wise, wasn't the, I thought he was like, what, 21 for 36. But he didn't turn the ball over. And anytime yeah. you don't turn the ball over, you have a chance uh, to win the game and to do good things. We know that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers are always going to have a defense that keeps them in the game but can you move the ball? I I thought Najee Glass, he'll play better. I think Trubisky will play better as they learn the system a little bit more, as he learns the system a little bit more and moving forward. But I thought that was a big win for them against the team. that Essentially the same group of team and men that was in that Super Bowl and they found a way to win a close game. And so I like that for them because these wins are going to add up. And I actually think a lot of the Pittsburgh Steelers games might possibly end just like that, where it comes down to that three points or that seven points. So for me, I thought that was a very impressive win. I thought that was a win that showed character, right? There's still a lot of questions. We still got to iron some things out as the season goes on. But to me, that was a good statement win, especially at the beginning against a good quality team like the Bengals. What about you, Chantel? What was your best week one performance or upset or uh, loss, I guess, or bitterness if you want to, you know, but you kind of just well, talk we about don't want to. we
0: don't want to get on my bitterness, just, Matt. I was mad all night. I was like, I'm just going to go to sleep. It was like five o'clock. Um, <laughs> that's how mad I was. But we're not going to focus on that. Um, you mentioned the Steelers. And like I said, I think they're going to be a sleeper this year. Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches. I think the bills, like, I'm just going to go back to the opening game of the season. The bills, they showed out Josh Allen came out and that defense just looks nasty. Like the bills are stacked and they are a reason. There's a reason why they're the favorite to win it this year. And they did that against a Rams team who are the defending champs. And the Rams didn't look good. The Rams did not look good at all. And to me, the bills just showed why they are one of the elite teams in the NFL and if they keep playing like that, if Josh Allen continues to just be a beast, having targets like a Diggs and a D- gave uh, Davis, also that defense, like their secondary is good. Their front seven is good, man. The bills, I think had the most impressive performance coming out on opening night in the NFL and beating the Rams spoiling, uh, you know, they put the banner up, they had a big night and they spoiled it. They came in there and they're like, nah, you know what? We're going to, we're just going to blow you out at home. So (laughs) I think the bills had the best performance in week. One point Blake would love to know who you think had the best performance. It could be a team. It could be a player. It could be the offense, the defense, let us know, drop some comments in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on Twitter and IG you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. Akeem, the NBA season hasn't started yet, but we are extremely close. Hmm. And one of the big questions is where, does Russell Westbrook go? Do you think there's a chance that he gets traded before the trade deadline? Because you know Pat Bev is there, and I don't know if it's going to work in the locker room. To be quite honest with you, but do you see Westbrook being traded before the trade deadline? And if so, where does he fit?
1: Honestly, I I I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> when the Indiana Pacers deal didn't go through, I was like, wait a minute, I I I don't know where else or who would want to take that on. But also, even going back to last year, I mean, that was considered a down year for Russell Westbrook in the past couple years, and he still had 18-7-7, right? So the man can play, and he's still playing at a high level. Now, the question for me, I mean, Darvin Ham seems like he wants to try this thing and try to make it work. But for me, it's like, well, how do you make it work with Pat Bev, right? What does it look like when you're playing small ball? What does that look like? How can it work? And I think for me, it, it... Pat Bev is not the guy to come in to give you 18, 19 points per game. He's not the best shooter. He can knock down some shots if he's there, but you're bringing him for the energy and primarily to see what he can do defensively and be that lockdown guy you put on your best player to kind of frustrate them a little bit. Russell Westbrook, we know is ball heavy, right? But he's not the best shooter as well either. And we both know LeBron does his best work when he's around shooters. And so I don't know what that is going to look like. Can it work? Probably. Will it work? I don't know. I don't. I, we're going to see what Darvin Ham can do, what he can do with this group, right? A big portion of that, if Anthony Davis and, you know, you and I have talked about AD, we feel similar things about AD. If AD is hurt, this ain't going to work, period. They're not going to go far without AD. Now, if AD comes out and he's balling, well, it can mask some of that Uh, some of that meshing that it needs to take. Because if AD is coming in, scoring 28, 29, 30 points per game and LeBron gets his 27, 28, well, that masks a lot of it. But for me, I don't know what would be the best fit for Russell Westbrook. I could see them saying, you know what, we're just going to stick it out and we're going to wait till next year to see what happens. So for me, the best fit is probably right there in L.A. Uh, what about you? What do you think about it, Chantel? Do you think that he will leave or do you think that they're just going to ride it out just like how the the Nets are doing?
0: I think they're going to ride it out because no one wants to take on that big contract that Russ has. Will it work? I still think it has a chance to work. I think they just have to figure out who's going to be that guy. And as much as LeBron is still that dude, I feel like he doesn't make the same impact that he was at one point in his career because he was putting up numbers, but it wasn't having that exact same impact. Is AD going to be that dude? He should, but he just doesn't step up to the plate. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't, uh, he should be that guy. Cause he's younger. He, at one point that year, they won the championship. I thought he was that dude. He was getting those MVP chance. he's always injured though. And there was this one step that came out and it showed Russ's numbers without LeBron on the court and they were good.
1: Oh, it was nice. They they, they just don't Chippen know how style. to play.
0: Like, yeah, he was averaging a triple double and the Lakers were winning with Russ and AD. So clearly, Russ and AD know how to play with each other. It's just when you put them all together, they don't know how to play together. And I think it's because LeBron wants to be the ball-dominant guy, but Russ is ball-dominant. Where does Westbrook fit? I don't know where he fits, but you could ship him off to like a San Antonio because who yeah. does San Antonio have, right? They just lost their point guard to Atlanta so I'm just like you know there's he could go to San Antonio they can move him around for some picks and then San Antonio has a superstar because they're not going to make the playoffs so they have a rust there and sometimes you just want a superstar there what I would really like though and this is crazy but I would be kind of interested in this happening so we know what's going on with Ben Simmons and everything in Brooklyn and at one point the Lakers were interested in getting Ben Simmons what if they traded Russ to Brooklyn to play with Kyrie and Katie because we have already seen Katie and Westbrook play together. We know they can play together, but they weren't able to get it done in OKC. But, like, just, just the fact that it would be possibly
1: I love I Westbrook
0: love. In, in Brooklyn with Katie and Kyrie, like, that would be wild. And then Ben go over to the Lakers. I mean, that's not going to happen. But as a fan that just likes that NBA drama, which we get so much of, That would be interesting to be quite honest with you, because obviously there's even talk about like the best player, LeBron or KD. Some people have KD, some people have LeBron. And, you know, a lot of people are hating on KD right now because he hasn't been able to get it done. And imagine if him and Russ could get it done together. Have a second chance. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not going to happen. This is just wishful thinking. But yeah, I think Russ could go to a team that isn't a playoff contender like a San Antonio and the Lakers could obviously move him, but the Lakers don't have enough pieces and a lot of teams don't want to carry that contract. So I think Russ is going to stay in LA and it's going to be an absolute mess. And the Lakers are maybe going to make the playoffs, but the whole time it's going to be a whole bunch of drama the whole entire year, and I am ready for it as an NBA fan. Let us know if you think Russ will be traded before the trade deadline, before the season starts, before the regular season starts. Let us know in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on Twitter and IG, and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us.
1: Let's go over to the boxing ring, right? If you have been someone who has been following the sport for the past 10, 15 years then you know this person. Even if you're a casual person who is just scrolling through the fights, you know, it's Friday night, Saturday night, you know, you're just getting in. You still heard of the name of Canelo Alvarez, right? Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin 3. I like trilogies. How do you have this one going, Chantel? Who do you have winning? Let me know.
0: Well, let's just go back to the first fight because both of the first two fights had a little bit of controversy. You talk about the first one, they scored that one as a draw. And I always say that I thought Triple G won that fight because he did. Um, But they scored that one a draw and then they came back in the second fight. And that one was an extremely close fight as well. But you could have gave rounds to Canelo. You could have gave rounds to Triple G. At the same time, though, If any fight was going to be a draw, I figured that second one won because it was so close. And because those rounds could have gone either way, they gave a majority decision to Canelo. So leading up to this trilogy fight, at one point, we were like, are we even going to get a trilogy? And as a boxing fan, I'm like, well, why do we want to get a trilogy if Canelo is going to fight in Las Vegas where, you know, the judges love him and they're going to give him a decision win? right? Because we saw that against Beevil where they scored it 115 to 113. And I was like, what fight were they watching? Because what I thought saw was Beevil absolutely dominate every round. Like he won nine rounds of that fight, nine or 10, however you want to slice it, but he dominated in that fight. So Canelo's coming off a loss. And some would say it's his biggest loss of his career because at one point we were saying Canelo was pound for pound number one boxer in the world. And after that fight against Bevel, his loss, people had taken him out of the top five, which is crazy because at the same time, yeah, there are undisputed champs that are definitely on that list, like a Usyk, um, you know, a Devin Haney. A lot of people are disrespecting him on a pound for pound list as well. However, Canelo at the same time, like he wasn't afraid to fight at any of these dudes, right? Like he was about to become a four division world champion. And it's crazy because on his path to that, like he took out Caleb plant, Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith. Now, as much as people want to be like, well, are those good boxers? Yeah, they are like, these are names. I think Canelo has one of the best resumes in all of boxing and he was definitely on a run. So now we're getting the trilogy fight with him and triple G And I'm like, man, you know what? What if Gennady Golovkin could win this fight? Because from the, from jump, like when they made this fight, the first fight I was rolling with Gennady Golovkin and he was actually like a really, really small favorite on betting lines. And uh, moving into this one, Canelo is the huge favorite and I mean, we know how good Canelo is, right? He moves around the ring really well, elite body puncher. He's going to hit you with those body shots. His work rate is solid. He's always effective. And he makes every pound, he makes every punch count. And he uses the jab extremely well. Canelo is that dude. And at one point, like I mentioned, we were talking about him being pound for pound. Now let's talk about Gennady Golovkin. He's older now. He's 40 years old. His last fight against Murata. It was a good one because he ended up getting the stoppage and everyone's like, man, Gennady Golovkin still has it. Like, he still has that power. At times, though, let's keep it real, Ryota Murata did have a moment or two in that fight where he looked like he kind of stunned Gennady Golovkin. And at one point I was like, you know, maybe he does look a little bit slower, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great performance by Gennady Golovkin, to be quite honest with you. And when I take a look at his resume, you're like, well, who is his best name on his resume? Like, I'm actually going to stop doing the pre, like, who do you think is the best <laughs> name on Gennady Golovkin's resume? Cause I'm looking at it because if you actually think about it, like he is, he should be seen as one of the best middleweights in history. Like if you just look at what he's done.
1: I mean, and, his, first, what, his first 27, 30 fights, it's been KO victories, right?
0: Yeah. Um, and, but you're, you're looking at like, who is his best name on his list? Is it Murata? Uh, maybe Durychenko. Maybe. Yeah. But that, that was a fight though. That was controversial. Yeah. Like a lot of people thought that he lost that fight. It went to the cards and they thought that he lost that fight. So it's like, yeah, Dervit would be probably, probably his best name on that list that he has. But if he had Canelo on his list, like, yeah, like you couldn't say anything about him, right. Canelo would be yeah. his best victory on his list. And it's fun. It's funny though, because I still think triple G even though like he has been this dude, I think a lot of guys have ducked him as well. You know what I mean? A lot of guys have ducked Triple G because there could have been some good fights that were never made in my opinion. Um, But as I talked about Murata, I think that's a good name on his list because Murata, um, everything that he meant to his country, Olympic medalist as well, uh, that was a big win. And Triple G looked really, really good, which sets up this trilogy fight. And Triple G has never been stopped. We know that he throws nasty combos. He has power, elite body puncher, good on the inside. If you want to bang on the inside, Triple G is going to bang with you on the inside and you don't want to get one of his liver shots. And he's really good at controlling distance. Who do I think is going to win this fight? I would love to see Triple G win this because then he has Canelo on his resume. And to be honest with you, I think he could walk into the sunset and retire.
1: That's probably what he would do.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah. He could just, what else would... Triple G have to prove at this point in his career, he wouldn't, this would be the best way to finish off his career. Do I think he gets it done? I think he won the first fight. I think the second one was really close. I think he can, but I think in order for him to actually be Canelo, he has to win rounds distinctively, distinctively. It can't be close. Like it was in that second fight because they're going to give the decision to Canelo I think he either has to do that or knock Canelo out. And I don't see that happening, but there is a chance because Canelo is coming into this fight with more pressure than ever. He just lost to Beevil. He's a lot of people aren't putting him on the pound for pound list. What these, and also if Canelo loses this fight, what does that say about his legacy? Right? People are going to question Canelo's legacy as well, which I don't think they should, but this is boxing and a lot of fans are fickle. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a big fight for both guys I think Canelo gets the decision in Vegas after what I saw against Bebo. 115, 113, that was ridiculous, man. Um, I just, I think Anadi Golovkin has to knock him out or like win distinctively. And I think it's going to be a close fight just like how the second one was. And if the fight is that close, I think the judges will be swayed to give it to Canelo. What about you, Akeem? How do you see this one going?
1: I mean, you just broke that down extremely well, giving everyone, all of us, the backstory. So um, I don't got to touch on the backstory. You brought up a couple of things there, Chantel. You know, the pound for pound list is one of the most opinionated subjects that has ever came across, because to me, it's rigged. A lot of times I see the list, I'm just like, yo, this, rigged, this, this list is mad. Like, who is making these things? The fact that, to me, Canelo has to be on everybody's pound for pound list because of the challenges that he has taken and the risks that he has taken Uh, You talked about the loss to Bival. He clearly lost that fight. There was no way it should have been that close, but stranger things have happened. And that was one of those stranger things that was about to transpire into becoming a reality. But again, this is a guy who's still moving up a division to take on one of the best in that division. And he wants to go against the best. He's made all of the money. He's got a bunch of names. But now what I like about Canelo, he fights for legacy. Like he wants to be in this position to beat these guys, to put himself against these guys. And so for me, the only the only knock that I have against Canelo sometimes is is, is this overconfidence that he has. When he was talking about what happened with Bivol and how he was saying, I, th- I thought I did enough to win the fight. I'm thinking to myself, man, either Reynoso is is pouring something into your water. Or you guys are really delusional because you, there's no way you won that fight. And I like Canelo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we know all of the skills that Canelo has. We know the body shots that he can do. We know the combinations that he puts together. We see the full work and the head work that he did. I mean, I thought one of his best defensive fights was against Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs couldn't hit him. Beautiful mm-hmm. display of head movement. And Canelo is one of those people too. I mean, he's what, 32 years old. And if I remember correctly, he's been in over 60 fights. He's seen every style he's fought some of the best he's lost against one of the best to ever do it in Floyd Mayweather, but he was still what 24, 25 at that time. Right. So he's gotten all these experience. And what I like about Canelo is he learns from the losses. He takes certain things and he does things to make it better. Canelo is going to do what he does. He's going to come in and he's going to bide his time and trying to chop you down round to round. But towards the middle round, on the championship rounds, that's when he's going to turn up the pressure. That's when he's going to let his hands go, as he's kind of always done before. He respects Triple G. Triple G ain't no slouch. You man got 37 knockouts. Don't come in here with that nonsense, Canelo, and think you can just stand toes with the guy and go shot for shot. Triple G, on the other hand, you brought such a great question, Chantel. Who is the best on his resume? Um, we saw in his last fight against uh, Murata and we saw how he was hurt going to the body, right? He started out that one very slow. And one of the things that people will always say as you touched and as we have touched on before is they talk about the age. And I think sometimes people get so fixated on the age that they forget like, look, he's still dangerous at the age. Yeah, may not have the same footwork, the same speed, the same reflexes, but probably a lot more patient. And you're not going to overextend yourself to try to get the knockout. You're going to say, you know what? I see what he's doing in the third or fourth round. In the seventh round, that's what I'm going to make my attack. But the thing that I did notice is when Triple G against Murata, when he was letting his hands go and being on the offense a lot more, it took him a little longer to recover from that. And against Canelo, you got to be on your P's and Q's quickly. Because we saw the counter style that Canelo has when he, I mean, when he lit up Billy Joe Saunders eye, right? Yeah, yeah. Canelo's is a very good counter puncher. And when you're going to a position where you get tired after letting your hands go, he's the younger guy. Canelo's always in great shape. He's going to pick up the pace when he sees you weak, when he sees you down. So for me, I think Triple G needs to come in and be the aggressor in this fight early in the fight. I think he's going to have to take a risk. As you just mentioned, if he has to win this one rounds convincingly, there's no way he is going to get a decision win against Canelo. Maybe in the first fight, in the second fight, but in the third fight where he is now, based on the fights that he had in between that second fight, what he means to the sport of boxing now, there's no way you're going to let the cash cow Canelo Alvarez lose, let alone back to back, Right. He has to knock him out. He has to knock him out or win yeah. convincingly. And so for me, I think Canelo wins. I don't think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I think it's going to be an intense fight, but I do think towards the championship rounds, I think Canelo's really going to shift the pace and use the momentum as Triple G is wearing down. And I just think Canelo is going to be able to get the job done. Um, I think somebody goes down this fight. I don't think either or gets knocked down, but I think one of them goes down and I think it could be Triple G because Canelo, he's going to target that body, man. I didn't see that as much in the Bivol fight because Bivol was extremely disciplined and he didn't go above himself, but Triple G is a risk taker and he's going to try to go in for a strike. And I think he gets caught with some more body shots than he's been accustomed to. But what are your thoughts on this fight? Point Blank would love to know. Who do you have winning this one? Let us know in the comments section below. Can Triple G pull it off? Let us know in the comments section below. Shantel, before we- Good card as
0: well, actually. The undercard is actually pretty good. I'm kind of stoked for it, actually. So I'm excited for this weekend and we get some good boxing.
1: But before we close out, Chantel, we also have to go back to the gridiron a little bit. The NCAA, man. I have known people who don't even watch NFL. They're like, yo, I just watch NCAA, right? I just watch the college kids because the NFL cats ain't got no heart. Like I hear both sides of the spectrum, but- This was a very interesting week two in the NCAA uh, football. What was the biggest upset for you, Chantel, in week two, or maybe the biggest surprise? What game was it? Was it a player? Was it an atmosphere? What was the biggest upset or surprise for you in week two?
0: It has to be Florida and Kentucky because Anthony Richardson was getting a lot of Heisman hype a lot of buzz and he just had a terrible performance against Kentucky. He was like 14 for 35, 143 yards, interceptions galore as well. And he just (laughs) couldn't, he just couldn't find a rhythm all night, right? He missed wide open targets and you just looked at him during that game and he looked like all of his confidence was gone. And I'm like, man, this doesn't look like the Anthony Richardson that we saw against Utah where he balled out and Florida looked really good, right? Florida playing an unranked Kentucky at the time. And I just want to say as much as we're focusing on Richardson having a bad game and not being that offensive stud that he was against Utah, I think we have to give props to Kentucky because their defense was bodying Richardson. Like that D-line looked incredible. And last year, I, I think you could argue that Kentucky had a top five defense in the SEC and they got better in the secondary this year. Kentucky's linebackers were ridiculous, like Jones, Wright, and Weaver. I was just extremely impressed on how much pressure they were able to put on Richardson, who we know that he's a mobile quarterback as well. He just didn't look good. And to me, though, Kentucky, man, they looked really good. This is a defense, like I mentioned, that people got to take seriously in the SEC. They showed out against a ranked team in week two, and they looked really good. That was the biggest surprise for me. What does it mean for Florida? They have to rebound like it was it was a huge upset for me. And I was watching that game being like, man, I did not expect this. So that was the biggest surprise for me in week two. And, uh, you know, shout out to Anthony Richardson. I'm a fan of his young guy. And I I hope he bounces back from this because he just didn't have an impressive
1: performance. But that happens. Talented cat.
0: Very talented man. And, you know, I'm a big fan of his. So I definitely want to see him bounce back from this. And as a college athlete and Akeem, you probably know this really, really well. um, You know, you have bad games and you learn from them. Mm -hmm. Everyone's had them. And I think this was a moment for Anthony Richardson on a a big game uh, in the SEC against Kentucky against one of the top defenses played really bad. And I hope he bounces back from this. And I think he will, because that's how talented Anthony Richardson is. What about you, Akeem? What were your thoughts on week two? What do you think the biggest surprise was?
1: Before I go, Shantel, let me ask you a question from a, 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 a different standpoint, right? How would you say uh, that from the outside looking in that he needs to respond to the next game? Because, you know, sometimes they put a lot of pressure on them right they may say every every athlete puts the most pressure on themselves right but from what you saw someone who's been watching the game for quite some time what did you think that 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 was his biggest downfall do you think he was trying too hard or do you think Kentucky was just systematically ready for this game or do you think he put too much pressure on himself because you know he's a Heisman hopeful now well was right yeah. but and sometimes when you hear it enough times it's like yo it's it's a lot right but you know you've been on the media side for quite some time. There's a lot of pressure that you put on people, right? You may not think so, but it can yes. <laughs> be. What 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 do you think uh, was his biggest downfall that you saw? Do you think he was trying too hard or was Kentucky just game ready for it?
0: I, I don't think he was trying too hard. I think Anthony Richardson was trying to be Anthony Richardson, but mm-hmm. he just couldn't get into a rhythm. And the main reason for that was because of Kentucky's defense. Like the edge, the edge rush was just bodying him. That D <laughs> line was crazy. Um, there was just, there, I don't know, like Anthony Richardson, he faced a really good defense in week two. And I think that's why we have to give props to Kentucky. When I looked at him, he couldn't find a rhythm all night. And then his confidence was gone. So I think Anthony Richardson just has to come back in this next game and make those short throws, you know, get those completions, get some confidence that's all he really needs. And once he gets that early on in the game, once he establishes himself, he'll be fine because there's talent there. Florida is a really good team and he has targets, but against that Kentucky defense and it's the SEC. So, you know, he's going to be seeing some really good defenses throughout this season and he has, I just think Kentucky's defense played better and they were just nasty and we, we got to definitely check out for them. They're They should be ranked. I haven't taken a look yeah. at the rankings, but they they should be ranked uh, right now, and I, I think that was the main reason Kentucky's defense was crazy, and that's why Anthony Richardson struggled. What about you? What was uh, your biggest surprise in week two? Was it Bama and Texas because that game was crazy?
1: Yeah, you know it 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 it, it was one of those games where uh, Alabama, Texas. I was just like, man, the. I don't know what the heck the receivers are looking like <laughs> at Alabama right now, man, but you know, we're not going to talk about that shit though. Cause that wasn't my pick, but my pick is let's, let's do a little bit of history. So you remember back in 2017, right? There was a team that went into Ann Arbor and beat a number five ranked Michigan Wolverine right now in 2022, that same team went into college station, Texas A&M and beat them. I'm talking about Appalachian station. Tell the team 17, well, 17 to 14 right? Now, I don't know what it was like for you, Chantel. I'm just going to give a little backstory of what Akeem thought was happening in the locker room, right? You know, it, 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 I don't know what it was like for you when you were playing sports in the locker room. You know, maybe you guys are playing music, but in the football space, when I was playing football, you know, we used to go down early, right? Maybe 35, 45 minutes. We used to, you know, somebody passed the ox score, but back then, you know, you just, you had a CD sometimes, right? You have the CD in, and there was a song that 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 I thought that they were playing, right? Because nobody expected them to lose. I just want to play that song, Chantel. The song that I think that Appalachian State was playing before they stepped into the uh, uh, stadium against College Station, A&M, Chantel. This is what they were playing.
0: I can't hear it. <laughs> Put it
1: can't to the it? mic. I can't hear it. We can't hear it. You
0: know what? I guess y'all must have forgot, forgot, forgot. Uh, Okay, there we go.
1: Y'all must have forgot that they did this before. You know what I'm saying? That's what they were playing. They were like, look, we're not scared of you. Y'all must have forgot that we beat ranked teams in the past. And this isn't going to be no different, Until The biggest surprise for me, the biggest upset for me, was Appalachian State going into Texas A&M in that stadium. The 12th man, the 13th man, as they say, and getting out and winning against a top ranked team again, just like how they did in 2007. (laughs) Y'all must've forgot that Appalachian state that this, they're, they're not new to this, that, is the biggest surprise for me. Point blank would love to know what was the bigger surprise for you. And in the NCAA week two, let us know in the comment section below. That was a good take. Until I had a good time talking about that memory.
0: No, that was, I, I forgot about that song. I did. I was. <laughs> I they were playing that though, um, and I love the pictures and all the footage of like the fans running through the town like that was pretty crazy also texas a&m what does that mean for them um, as well for the national championship because uh they were actually one of the sleeper favorites uh, to go pretty far too so it's pretty interesting college football man like you mentioned yeah it's, it's, it's sometimes it just is better than the nfl uh, there's nothing <laughs> like saturdays like let's just keep it real here
1: for those that didn't know that song, that was Roy Jones Jr., y'all must have forgotten. And honestly, uh, if, if, if if I'm a collegiate athlete at this era, I'm, I'm in no rush to go to the NFL with the NIL type of money that they're getting. But before we close out, Chantel, um, we got to get to the topic of the week, but more of a conversation this time. You know, I can think about so many times in my life where I've had this feeling. Um, and I was still able to do it, but there was a feeling inside of me where it's the unknown, it's the uncertainty. You're not sure I was going to play out. You don't want to look like a fool. You don't want to make mistakes and you are, you feel a little bit scared or afraid to do something or, you know, when you're playing certain teams, right. You know, it, I remember when I was playing football, we we're playing an all-star team. My coach used to say, um, he used to say, okay, We have a final to make. We're about to play in the finals. Would you like to play a fast team or a big, strong team? And I was like, yo, I'd play a big, fast team any day, right? Rather than playing a big, strong team that you know it's going to be punishment. And when he said that in our room, talking to our team, I could see some of the players' face when they said a big, strong team. And they were a little bit scared. I was like, yo, it's it's, it's okay. We got big people on the team, too. Was there a time, Chantel, where you may have felt scared of pursuing something or doing something? Maybe you, you know, maybe you're watching a scary movie. You felt a little bit afraid. You didn't want to go, you know, to the room. You had all the lights, all the lights on. Was there a moment that you were afraid or scared to do something, or a moment that made you scared? How did you get past that?
0: I'm scared right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, of course. I think there's always moments when you're pursuing something or something is unknown that you're scared. But I also believe that if you're doing something new that is unknown, if you're not scared, then something's wrong. Because if you're scared, that means you really care about it. Uh, There's been numerous times where I've been scared. Not, yeah, no, I've been scared. I remember when TSN 1040 folded. And before it folded, I had just gotten my show on TSN and we were like four episodes in. And I remember when the name of the show, it was called The Homestretch. And so it would be on from six to seven during rush hour, uh, people were getting home. So it was a good slot. Um, Shout out to T-Mart for giving me that slot. That was huge. Uh, But yeah, so TSN 1040, like as you know, they ended up shutting down a whole bunch of stations across Canada. And I remember waking up that morning and like finding out on social media that I didn't have a job.
1: Oh, I'm fighting everybody that day. I'm fighting everything. Right.
0: Um, no, that there, there was no fight. There was just tears <laughs> uh, because I'm like, man, I just got my show. I feel like yeah. I'm getting into a groove. And I thought like it was like up and up. And um, I remember waking up that day, going on social media, finding out I didn't have a job and being like, what am I going to do now? And I was scared because I'm like, well, this is my money. Um, I didn't want to go on like EI and like do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, that's stressful. Uh, even those forms are stressful. Um, (laughs) so, um, you you know what I mean? So I'm like sitting there and I'm like, man, I don't have a job right now. And it is extremely difficult in media to get a job in media. Like if you have a job in media, you're lucky. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're no, I'm, I'm being honest. Like if you have a job in media and I'm so grateful uh, for TSN because they rehired me. and like, Thank you, TSN. <laughs> um, shout out to TSN. Um, at, one, at one point, I was being a hater. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was extremely upset. But at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was scared because I'm like, you know, I'm 30. And at the point, I was 30. And I was like, I'm 30 years old. And I just lost my job. And it is so hard to get a job in this market. Because for years, I was trying to get my foot in the door in the sports market in Vancouver and I was just getting doors shut in my face, you know, emails never returned. I was, I just never got a chance. And then, you know, someone gave me a chance, which led me to get a chance at TSN and I was really supported there by everybody. And I still am Um, all the people that I used to work with all the OGs that are in the market that are sports media, people that are really well known supported me through that time. And the one thing that really helped me get through that time was, People that I didn't even expect, like had my back in the industry, like messaged me and checked up on me and made sure that I was okay. even like linked me up to people that were like, hey, you know, like message this person, Um, they're going to help you out like some real OGs that are big names. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Like, I actually have support. And it kind of made me feel like because at one point I was sitting there like, man, do I have what it takes? Because I'm 30 years old. I just lost my job. Do I continue on with this? Or do I just go into a whole different direction and start a new career? And I was scared Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: um, I just stuck it. I stuck through it and it ended up opening doors. We launched this podcast. We're a year in and that was a big reason. And I was actually scared to do a podcast before, Um, you know, and you helped me as well, like be more comfortable and confident throughout that time. So it's like everything happens for a reason. And I think in moments where your life is going to shift, you're going to be scared. Because you don't know what it looks like on the other side of that door. But I think it's all a part of life. I think you have to have a little bit of fear because you got to overcome it. And you got you got to know how to overcome that fear because once you overcome that fear and you stick with something or you're not scared anymore, you know if you're in an, another situation where you're scared, you know it's going to be okay because you've been through that. Um, so that's what being afraid and being scared means to me. I think- everyone goes through it, you have to go through it. And it only makes you better with experience every time because you know how yeah. to handle those situations. What about you, Akeem? Uh, what is being scared or afraid mean to you? And do you have any examples?
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Shantel. That's not, that's not always easy to do. And I remember uh, when we first started this, you know, one of the things that, that, that you were talking about was, you know, that we spoke about was being ourselves on this show. You know, and 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 at the beginning, you're like, man, I don't want to I don't want this, that. And I was like, yo, it's like yourself, just be yourself. Like everybody yeah. sees you in this light, but show them something different. Um, you know, f- honestly, for me, like anybody that knows me, like me doing this, like I remember when I started speaking and some of my uh, teachers who used to teach me like seventh, eighth, ninth grade came to one of my presentations and they were just like, who are you? because I never used to do that. I'm quiet. I'm quiet by nature, right? And so every single time that I do something that isn't normal for me, I'm, I'm afraid to do it. Every time that I get up and do this, I'm afraid to do it. Every time I go up and speak, I'm afraid to do it. Every time that I go and do certain things, I'm afraid to do it. Scared to do it. There's a difference between being scared and being afraid. When you're scared to do something, you can push past that when you're afraid to do something, it freezes you in your track and you can't do anything to try to get it. But a person can be scared and still do it. And I think that is what allows us to overcome fear. you got to practice overcoming fear by doing the thing that you might be afraid to do every single day. Just like how you got to brush your teeth. Your teeth, just because you brush it once, it's not clean. You got to practice it every day. You know what I'm saying? So, so for me, everything that I do feel scared to do- Sorry.
0: That brushing the teeth analogy was hilarious. I'm sorry. I was like, it's true. Just because you brush your teeth once doesn't
1: mean it's clean. Anyways, go on. And sometimes you got to brush it again. Brush your teeth, ah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, So for me, you know, you can be scared, but you can still do what you're scared to do. And I think the one thing that always helped me is preparation, right? So it would be a lot harder to prepare to do the show if I wasn't prepared to do the show. It would be a lot harder to do certain things if I wasn't prepared to do it. So while you may be scared to do it, allow your preparation to speak louder than the fear that's trying to tell you why you shouldn't do it. But if you're prepared to do it, man, just continue to push past that fear. And you got to practice that every day. So for you listening, if, if if you're feeling afraid of an opportunity or scared of the opportunity, you know, it's okay to feel like that, but we got to push through that. It's okay to feel like that, but we can still do and push through and be able to still thrive in it. So whatever you're afraid to do or scared to do, man, as Superman is, right? You look at Superman, he's so strong, he's this and that, but he's a little kryptonite and the man gets folded like a lawn chair, you know what I'm saying? But you move the kryptonite and he's back to his old self, right? So what would happen if you push, if you put at the forefront of your thoughts, the belief, the confidence, and you fake it till you actually make it? A lot of times you have to think bigger than yourself before you'll be able to be creative enough to take that next step. So a lot of times you just have to courageously move towards what you're afraid to do or scared to do. And you'll find yourself thriving in the midst of that circumstance and that season. So that's what it means to me. That's what it means to Chantel. Let us know what being afraid or being fearful of something means to you. Let us know in the comment section below. And don't uh,
0: forget to brush your teeth.
1: Is very. It's a very, <laughs> very important,
0: important. Part of life that do I, that before you do all of the rest of the stuff but yeah
1: if you don't brush your teeth people aren't gonna to talk to you you don't want that.
0: <laughs> it's true man you don't want to be the person with staying breath that's the worst
1: man and and, and uh, do the breath test you know i'm saying do the breath test <laughs> no it is very important it's very important but look with all that being said i am a key names,
0: i'm chantel chance
1: and this is point blank thank you all for rocking with us and we will definitely see you next